If you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 8. We're going to jump right into this story. It's a continuation of where we left off this morning. We know that the hostility between the Pharisees and Jesus is just, it's escalating. It's ramping up. Every verse we read, every chapter we cover, it is just growing more volatile of their actions and their thoughts towards Him. And today, this in the first service, we seen that He really showed them who they truly are. They were claiming to be children of God, and He tells them that they are children of the devil. They claim to be children of Abraham. But they're not children of Abraham because the children of Abraham are those who are children of Abraham by faith. By faith in the promise. They were not children of God. They were children of the devil. And we made that distinction that every human being that has ever lived, and as we said in here tonight, every person, you have one of two options as who is your father. It is either God or it is the devil. There is no in-between. And as we are born in our sin nature, we're in the bondage of the will, we're enslaved to the, to, the, to the devil, and we're slaves to sin in our unregenerate state. And he tells them that you want to do the desires of your father. You're enslaved to sin. And you can't hear my words. You can't believe because you're not of my sheep. Because my sheep hear my voice, and they come. And we talked about how much of a sovereign act of grace and mercy it is that God comes to us, brings our heart to life, causes our regeneration. He takes the scales off our eyes. He opens our ears so we can hear the shepherd's call. And now He gives us the desires that are pleasing to Him. Now we do the desires of our Father. And we, we don't want to overlook the one verse that we read in verse 30. 35 of John 8, where he says, the slave does not remain in the house, but the son remains in the house forever. We go from being slaves of sin and the devil, held captive to his will, to being adopted as sons. Adopted as sons. Sonship in union with the only begotten. And it is because of that grace and mercy that we can be in his house forever. The lines are being more distinctly drawn. And here, Jesus tells them, God is not your father. Your father's the devil. And they continued to go back to Abraham, didn't they? Well, we're our father's Abraham. Our forefather's Abraham. We hold on to Abraham. And he says, no, you don't. Abraham loved me. Those who are children of Abraham are by faith in me, the one you are standing in front of, the one you're rejecting. You are not children of Abraham on a spiritual level here. And that's where we left off. We left off where he said, He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you're not of God. Verse 47 is where we left off. If you've heard the shepherd's call, it's because by sovereign grace and mercy, he has given you ears to hear. And tonight we're going to finish chapter 8. And we're going to go back to Abraham. They've already brought up Abraham in this conversation. And now we're going to see how this story continues. So follow along with me in verse 48. He says, The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. 
the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death? Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do, not, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. What a scene that is. Let's begin in verse 48. It says, The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and a demon? What you've just heard in that verse is one of the greatest insults that could ever be slandered to a Jew. If you remember the hostility that the Jews had toward the Samaritans, they thought they were spiritual half-breeds. They thought they were, they were Amorettes, the dirty people, the Jewish people despised the Samaritans. They looked down upon them. They thought they were lesser than them. They thought they were people of the land of the dirt. So to call someone a Samaritan, that's an insult to the Jew. Do you remember the lady at the well who was a Samaritan woman? Remember what she says to Jesus? How is it that you're even speaking to me, a Jew, me being a Samaritan? There was hostility between the Jew and the Gentile, and primarily here when we look at the Samaritans. So now, he said that your father is the devil, and now they come right back at him and say, we know that you are not only are a Samaritan, but you have a demon. What you've just heard is two of the, the worst insults that could be spoken to a Jew. Being a Samaritan and being demon-possessed, and they're saying them both about Jesus. It's getting, it's getting intense. You, you see the plot thickening, the hatred, the hostility ramping up. Jesus says to them in verse 49, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And if you remember that you can't have the father without the son, you, you have to have the son to have the father. And he says, you can't have the God that you proclaim because you dishonor me. You can't say you honor God when you dishonor me. He says, but I honor my father and you dishonor me, but I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. And we have multiple verses. I just put a few on your sheets here because over and over through the gospel accounts, we find that Jesus was glorifying the father. He was seeking the honor of the father. We find this in John 7, verse 18. We just came from that chapter, but look what it says. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And Barry, I think it's okay with you. If we go to John 17, we won't read the whole thing. We still have to preach that sometime. But John 17, 4, the high priestly prayer, when we look and see the prayer of the, the Son to the Father, he says, I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. 
Jesus was speaking on behalf of the Father. He was exegeting the Father. He was seeking the Father's glory. And we even see this in the triune nature of God, don't we? Do you know who you read about very little in the Bible? God the Holy Spirit. Comparatively speaking, John 14, 15, 16 tells us about Him. But why is that? What is the role of the Holy Spirit to point us to the Son? He doesn't seek His own glory. He seeks the glory. He points to Christ. He points to the Word. And what happens when we look to Christ and the Word? He is the Word made flesh. He's exegeting the Father. So the Holy Spirit points us to the Word. We see Christ and Christ is speaking on behalf of the Father. Now we see the Father. He's not seeking His own glory. So that is why throughout Scripture we see one of the attributes of a Christian is humility. How is the Holy Spirit pointing to Christ and pointing to the Father and then Him indwelling us and then we're all about ourselves? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is producing humility. That's the way it should be because that's what we see of Him. But it is the Son who has the seal of the Father, who's seeking the glory of the Father, come to do His work. And now it continues to ramp up. Look what He says. Verse 51, truly, truly, I say it every time, but when there's two words, truly, truly, this means listen, perk up. He's saying, amen, amen. What I'm telling you is worth listening to, so listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This really gets them up in an uproar. How many times just in the previous chapters of John that we've read, where Jesus is talking about spiritual things and they think he's talking about physical things. Remember the lady at the well? He's like, I will give you this living water and you'll never thirst again. Give me this living water so I never have to come back to this physical well. And if you remember when he says, I'm the bread of life and you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, we, what? We can't do that. Because they don't have ears to hear. They're not of God. They don't understand these things of God. But here, they think he's talking about physical death. He says, listen, truly, truly, if you believe in my word, you'll never die. And look where they go with it. Back to Abraham. Well, Abraham died. The prophets died. We know we can believe and trust in them. And you're telling us, we don't even know who you are, but you're telling us that if we believe in your word, we'll never die. Are you greater than Abraham? Yes. Are you greater than the prophets? Yes. He's going to tell us why here in a little bit, one of the reasons. But this is where they go. They don't understand he's talking about spiritual, eternal life. But that's what he's talking about. If you believe in his word, why did the disciples leave in the ending of John? Because they found his words offensive. You see, we find it all through Scripture now. They, it's believing in His Word. It's the Word they find offensive. If you believe in His Word, His truth, then you'll never die. You'll never die spiritually. You have eternal life in Him. Look what they say. The Jews said to Him, Now we know that you have a demon. Now we're fully convinced. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, If anyone keeps my Word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. 
Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say He is our God. And you have not come to know Him, but I know Him. And if I say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. How do you think that that went over? But I do know Him and keep His Word. And then Jesus says something absolutely scandalous to them. They're looking at Him in the flesh. The eternal Logos, the Spirit made flesh. He came and took on flesh and dwelt among us. Now, in their presence is God incarnate. The one who created the world they're standing on is right in front of them. The one who gave them every organ that's in their body, that gave them the heart that's beating, that gave them the lungs that they can speak these blasphemous thoughts, is standing right in front of them. And look what he says to them. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. You want to kill me. But Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And then he takes it a next step. Not only did he rejoice to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And they say to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham? That's where the plot hangs. My question is, how did Abraham see Jesus? Well, you know that all the Old Testament is pointing to Christ. All the types, all the shadows, they're pointing to Christ. They are the shadows. He is the substance. And if you remember what we read today in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, that the gospel was preached to Abraham. The gospel is not just a New Testament thing. The gospel is the power of God into salvation, even in the Old Testament. And in Genesis 15, verse 6, it says that Abraham believed in the promise and it was credited to him as righteousness. Every human being that will ever be justified by God has come through the same way by faith in the Son. The gospel being preached in the first book of the Bible. The the gospel being preached to Abraham all these years before this scene takes place. Abraham saw in the Old Testament scriptures, he saw the gospel. He saw the promise of the Messiah. He saw the types. He saw the shadows. And you know what he did? He believed it. Everyone in the Old Testament had to look forward to the cross had to look forward to the perfect life of Christ, had to look forward to His resurrection, and they had to believe it without seeing it. But you and I, we look back. We look back. They looked forward. We look back. We look back to the work of Christ. We look back to the cross. We look back to the resurrection. And when we believe in that, then it's credited to us as righteousness as well. Abraham saw Christ 
He looked for that day in the promises, in the types, in the shadows. He looked for Him and He saw Him and He saw Him and He believed. And that's how He came to faith. That's how He was justified. He was justified before any work. He was justified in Genesis 15 and circumcision came in Genesis 17. It is through faith that He was found righteous. And everyone who believes... We are children of Abraham through faith. You know, let me just say this as we are close to the end. I begin to think of types and shadows. And do you know that Abraham was smack dab in the middle of one? He was right in the middle of a type and shadow pointing to Christ. If you remember that scene, and we won't go into all the detail because that's a whole service in itself. But if you remember that Abraham... It tells us in Genesis that he took his only son. But wait a minute, he had more than one son, didn't he? He did. But the Bible records he took his only son. That is by the promise. And it's Isaac. And what did he do? He set out to the place where God would show him. And there's so many similarities in that story. That as they are going to that place, Isaac, the son, says, well, we've got everything, but where's the sacrifice? And if you remember what Abraham says to the people that are there that went with him, he says, stay here. Because we're going to go to the mountain and worship because worship and sacrifice are together. And we're going to come back. We're going to come back. You stay here. And if you remember that scene that Abraham doesn't carry the wood up on the mountain, but it's the son. It's Isaac who carries the wood on his back. And it just so happened, the mountain that they would be ascending to would be Mount Moriah, and it would be in that vicinity that many, many years later that God would provide the true sacrifice in His Son in that area. But you see this story. Isaac is carrying the wood up to this place, up to this place of sacrifice, going up the mountain. And then it says that he bound his son. He bound him. Christ is bound to the cross. And we've mentioned it so many times that scholars will tell us that they believe that Isaac was not a little bitty lad. He was not a little fella, but he was strong enough to carry the wood. He was strong enough to overpower his elderly father if he wanted to, but he didn't. Do you know what he did? He willingly laid down his life. He trusted his father. Sound familiar? Pointing to Christ. It is the Father who's going to perform this act upon the Son, and the Son's willingly laid down His life. He's carried the cross up to this point. He trusts Himself to the Father. And He gets ready to take and kill His Son. And an angel stops Him. And He doesn't say His name once, does He? He says, Abraham, Abraham. I see but that's not going to be necessary today because the Lord is going to provide the true sacrifice one day 
in this area. And it will be the Son of God. Abraham looked forward to the day where he would see Christ. Looked in the the Scriptures and saw Christ. Looked in the types and shadows and believed in Christ. He rejoiced to see his day and he saw it and he was glad. And they say, you can't say that. You're not 50 years old. You've never seen Abraham. This is one of Taylor's favorite verses. Jesus said to them, truly, truly. I say to you. Before. Abraham was born. I am. He goes back to Exodus 3. And Moses in the burning bush, you know this. Ego, I, me, is how it comes in the Greek. It is God's name. It is Yahweh. It is the great I am. Jesus is saying, How have I seen Abraham? Who do you think created Abraham? Who do you think numbered the hairs on Abraham's head? Who do you think put the number of heartbeats in his heart? Who do you think chose him to be the father of faith? Who do you think that is? Yes, he saw me. Yes, I was there because I am Yahweh. I'm the one who was there before the world was. I'm the one who was there before all things. I am God. Am I greater than Abraham? I'm the great. I am. What a scene this is. He came after Abraham in flesh, but he's greater than Abraham because he was before Abraham. We see John the Baptist even say that in John chapter one, verse 30, where he says, this is he of on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And if you're looking for that specific start of God's existence, you're never going to find it. Because he has life in himself. He has no beginning. He's the only true being. There's never been a time where God was not. Abraham saw me. He saw me in the scripture. He saw me in the Old Testament. He saw me. He saw my day. He believed. Before Abraham was born, I am. He is the great I am. Jesus is God. He's declaring his deity. Here. And you know what that causes them to do? Just like it did in John chapter 5. He heals the man at the pool at Bethesda there. And he says, remember what he says, they, they believe only God was able to work on the Sabbath as he was keeping all the world in place, the universe in place. And he says, my father is working until now and I myself am working, declaring his deity. And you know what they did? They wanted to kill him. Truly, truly, I say to you, you claim that Abraham's your father. You claim that you're children of Abraham. Abraham rejoiced at me. And before Abraham, I am. Standing in your midst is the one who created you. Standing in your midst is the one who 
created Abraham. I am. I am God. I am Yahweh. Let's look at the response. 59. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It's kind of just a thing we do now. They didn't get him, did they? Why didn't they get him? His hour had not yet come. But if you stick with us long enough in the Gospel of John, you know what's going to happen? The Father's going to say, okay, the hour's come. This is the hour that has been ordained before the world was. Now is the time. Go lay down your life for the sheep. But not yet. Not yet. What a statement he tells them here. He is God. You must believe he's God or you do not have the Father. The world hates this, but it is the message of the gospel. Jesus was before Abraham. Let's take it a step further. Jesus was before Moses. He was before Adam. Jesus was before the stars. Jesus was before the sun and the moon. Jesus was before the angels. Jesus was before the universe. He's before all things. He holds all things together. Abraham looked forward to the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ and believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And we now look back, as we mentioned earlier, to the cross, to the work of Christ through Scripture. And we believe, and when we believe, we are credited as righteousness. We are justified before our God. And unless we believe that Jesus is Yahweh, unless we believe He is I Am, Ego I Me, as He said in the last uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 24 of this same chapter, He said, unless you believe that Ego I Me, you will die in your sins. And I just want to leave you with this thought. There are many things in the Bible that is incomprehensible. It's one of the attributes of God is His incomprehensibility. But I want you to stop for a moment and think about this. Can you really grasp that the one who gave you to the Father before the world was, the one who came and lived a perfect life to credit righteousness to you, the one who would lay his life down for the sheep, the one who would cover you with his perfect righteousness when you believe, the one who would come and sovereignly bring your heart to life, the one who would remove the scales, the one who would make your ears to hear, the one who would rise from the dead on your behalf, the one who sits in heaven now and intercedes for you is the one who was before Abraham, the great I Am. I'll end with this, talking about incomprehensibility. I said it before that I believe it was Barth. I believe he was a Swiss theologian. He came and he had, he had started to lecture. and He was on a circuit here in America. And he was going to these universities. And he came one day and one of the questions that he was asked is this. Of all your study, of all your time, 
across the world traveling and teaching and understanding the depths of God. What is one of the most incomprehensible things for you? What is it? You know what he said? He didn't have to think long and he didn't have to think hard. He said one of the most incomprehensible things to him is this, that Jesus loves me. That's true. When you realize that it is the one who was before Abraham, before the world was, who did all those things for you? The great I am. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you for it piercing our souls and Lord, bringing us to humility before you. Lord, we love you. And when we hear the truths that are found in your word, Lord, it just brings you higher. It it lifts you up, God. It is about you. It's always been about you. And Father, let us stop for a moment and just think of who you are. The great I am, Yahweh. Before all things. And that you would show love and mercy upon a fallen creature. Not because of anything we've done, but because of mercy and grace. That's almost, we can't even fully grasp that, God. But help us tonight. To the highest level that a human being can ever fully understand that, God. We pray that we would. Lord, to you be the glory and the honor and the praise forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.